coming up in this episode. is something which I, I view with deep regret. David O'Sullivan, the European Union's ambassador to the U.S., responding to the Brexit, which could have far-reaching security complications. My first reaction when I saw the result that there was a majority in favor of leaving was one of immense sadness uh, that uh, the British people would have felt that their destiny was better protected outside of the European Union than inside the family. And because of that, there will be consequences. If the EU further unravels, will there be counterterrorism, negative repercussions? And that is likely. Patrick Skinner, former CIA case officer, currently director of special projects at the Sufan Group, understands counterterrorism very well and on this program puts into perspective what happens if Britain follows through on its exit from the European Union. The EU, which has already demonstrated to have some problems with intelligence sharing, as you can see in Brussels and Paris, these people were known, but they could still travel. Anything that actually makes that worse, is that's problematic. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Whether it's anarchist, cyber criminals, nation states, or terrorist, America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. I'm J.J. Green. Britain's decision to leave the European Union will have some consequences. But what will they be? Specifically, how will it impact the security landscape? We start by getting the reaction of the European Union's ambassador to the U.S., David O'Sullivan when he heard the news. As you know, there's been a, a lively political debate in the United Kingdom over the past uh, few weeks uh, as a result of this referendum on whether to leave the European Union or remain. Um, I think for those of us outside the UK, uh, we were strongly of the view that uh, having the UK inside the European Union was the best thing both for them and for us. So my first reaction when I saw the result that there was a majority, a a narrow but decisive majority in favor of uh, leaving was one of immense sadness uh, that uh, the British people would have felt that their destiny was better protected outside of the European Union than inside the family uh, is something which I, I view with deep regret. Uh, I think the European Union is one of the most noble projects uh, ever conceived in human history uh, of building a whole new way of working together in Europe after two world wars and the Holocaust last century. I think it has brought enormous benefits to, to Europe, to its people. So the idea that the British people no longer wish to be a part of this narrative uh, saddened me deeply. Later that evening, perhaps the next day, many of those who had voted to leave were then questioning whether they had done the right thing. How did that uh, impact your thinking? I'm Irish, and we have a long history of referenda on European issues. So I'm, I'm not unfamiliar, unfamiliar with the, the, the feeling that uh, after uh, a referendum has taken place, particularly when the result is decisive but narrow, that the losing side uh, 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 or, the, or the, sometimes the winning side uh, uh, is, is not entirely satisfied with, with the outcome. Uh, so I was not entirely surprised that some people in the UK may have been uh, themselves surprised at, at this outcome. On the other hand, 
Uh, a referendum is a democratic process. Uh, there is a debate, there is a moment of voting, and there is a decision. Yeah, and I understand that that is, uh, democracy works on the basis of majority majority rule. Uh, in any event, in this discussion in the United Kingdom, it was always likely to be a narrow outcome with one side feeling uh, disappointed. If it had been the decision to remain, I think we would probably have still had a substantial number of people who would have wished for leave. Give me your overall view of how Britain's exit would impact security. Well, I, I think... Uh, everyone agrees that the optimal outcome would have been that the UK decided to remain. Uh, we think that the EU at 28 uh, would better secure the, the future uh, security and prosperity uh, of our people. Uh, and a number of security experts in the run-up to the referendum indicated that a United Kingdom fully participating in the European Union would be better able to uh, look after the interests of its people, including in the security field, than being outside. Having said that, um, if the UK decides to leave, uh, obviously, in terms of defining the new relationship with the United Kingdom, uh, Everyone will want to, to do their best to ensure that security uh, is defended as well as it can be. The United Kingdom is a part of NATO. Uh, this is unaffected by their decision to leave the European Union. The European Union uh, is developing close relations and ties with uh, NATO. Uh, the, NATO is the security framework for the vast majority of our member states. 22 of our member states are, are, part, are party to NATO. Uh, and in terms of counterterrorism, uh, intelligence sharing and so forth, there will be some constraints uh, on the legal situation if the UK uh, leaves the European Union, but I'm sure that people will want to try and find uh, the best way of continuing to ensure the security uh, of our people uh, even in this new situation. Ambassador, what are those constraints that you allude to? Well, for example, uh, membership uh, participation in the intelligence sharing through Europol, the European Police Agency, is contingent on uh, membership of the European Union. Uh, uh, and there are various other uh, um, security arrangements uh, decided at European level which would no longer apply to the, the United Kingdom and which would have to, and then one would have to rethink that relationship uh, in the new context. In a nutshell, if Britain is no longer a member of the EU, the legal arrangements allowing for the sharing of intelligence amongst EU countries no longer applies to Britain. So if there is a situation where something takes place between one of the member countries in the EU that Britain might not have such a great relationship with, it's no longer covered by the blanket agreement that it would benefit from being a part of the EU. It would have to rely on its own relationship with that country. That and other possible consequences lay ahead. So what does all of this mean for the U.S., the EU, and the U.K. in terms of security and terrorism? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to have much impact on the U.S. to, to British CT uh, cooperation. That's incredibly close. I mean, it's almost one nation, one fight when it comes to counterterrorism. It's, uh, it's very, very transparent. It's been, it's been a great working relationship for a very long time. But Patrick Skinner, director of special projects at the Sufan Group, says now everything could change. If the EU further unravels, will there be counterterrorism negative repercussions? And that is likely. If it, I mean, British-UK is one thing, but um, if 
the EU, which has already demonstrated to have some problems with intelligence sharing, as you can see in Brussels and Paris, these people were known, but they could still travel. Um, anything that actually makes that worse, is that's problematic. So dig into the, um, the intelligence sharing issue a little bit, if you will, to clarify for the layman what that problem is or where that problem comes from. For the U.S. and for Great Britain, uh, anytime we have counterterrorism information, we basically share it automatically. You'd have to have a reason not to. And so uh, it's, it's transparent. It gets more complicated between member states of the EU. They don't have a common intelligence unit. Uh, they have a common currency, of course, but it's still 28 sovereign states in terms of intelligence. So they have their conflicting self-interest. They have their crown jewels that they guard. And so they might not say, like, hey, we know about this person, because that tells the 27 other people or whoever you tell about their capabilities and, uh, and, and also their priorities. And so it, even in the best of times with that many countries who are still have sovereign Intel units, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to get people who depend on secrecy to share. And that's in the best of times. Uh, now, if they start pulling away and going out of the EU, then we're going to go back to the 1970s where it's, it's, you know, walls and borders and secrets, but at a time where the threat is really, you know, cross border. And that's what I want to ask you about. This is perhaps an all-time high for the threat. Uh, maybe perhaps, say, for that era you were talking about in the 70s and early 80s, but this is a really crucial and dangerous time, specifically when you look back at at Brussels and at Paris and, at, you know, even a little bit further back at, at, at uh, Spain in 2004 and Britain, the 7-7 attacks there. What's the fix for this? Well, hopefully that uh, the, the Brexit, there will be a pause. Um, the, the Great Britain can work out their own dynamics, uh, but hopefully it doesn't spread to the EU because you're right. The, uh, I'm always a person that believes that things are never as bad as it seems, but the persistent counter or the persistent terrorist threat to the EU is as bad as it's ever been, and it's only going to get worse. The um, the Islamic State, which enters its third year of caliphate, you know, self-proclaimed. Physically, they're getting pounded, but their external threat is – it hasn't been touched at all, and it's only going to grow larger as the group kind of disintegrates a little bit and supporters have nowhere else to go but to stay home and fight. And so, I mean, it's – there needs to be a real concerted push at the EU, at Brussels, to say, hey, you know, we're all distracted. We're all talking about the, you know, Brexit and other issues, but – the threat of, you know, Croatia having an attack and Russia having an attack and, I mean, even though they're not in the EU. But these are these are issues that they laugh at our borders. They laugh at the bureaucracy. Uh, they are – I mean, it's always – you know, you can always over-exaggerate the threat and say, you know, the world is falling. But in this case, it is a – the highest level that of persistent credible threat that we've ever seen where people have – with demonstrated capability and intention want to do, you know – attacks yeah. at the exact time where the EU is pulling apart. And at this time when the EU may be coming apart, if Britain follows through on its decision to leave, and if other countries decide as well they want to leave, some of the European unions and the UK's adversaries that are watching these developments seem to be expressing optimism at the alleged weakening of the European Union. But David O'Sullivan said they should not get the wrong idea whether Britain stays or goes. I think it would be a mistake to imagine that 
the intention of the British people is to be less engaged in European security uh, through NATO in the fight uh, against terrorism or in uh, the pushback uh, uh, against Russian aggression in Ukraine. much of the argument in the United Kingdom related more to the inner workings of the European Union, the uh, European regulation, the role of the European Court of Justice, immigration. Uh, I don't think this vote represents in any way a uh, renunciation of the traditional British uh, foreign policy or security uh, posture in relation to those issues. So while I think It is a disappointing result. I think that the UK will be less well off uh, as a result and the European Union will also be less well off without the United Kingdom. I'm absolutely sure that our shared values, our common view of the importance of the the liberal world order uh, and our commitment to the projection of democracy, human rights, the rule of law will continue. It will be more complicated to find uh, ways in which we can work together uh, uh, and there will probably be some loss of effectiveness. Uh, But I don't think that this represents a a fundamental change in the view of the British people uh, that we have in Europe a common position on these issues. Uh, And I hope that if we move to this new situation, we will find new ways of dealing with it. It will be less satisfactory. Uh, from an operational point of view, but uh, I think it would be a serious mistake uh, for uh, our adversaries to interpret this as a weakening of our determination to defend the values which unite us. We will revisit the Brexit security, counterterrorism and intelligence issues in the future. But in the meantime, coming up in our next program. An assassination attempt on Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. An individual attempted to remove a weapon from one of the officers working the event, a local law enforcement officer, doing his job in the arena. And uh, an individual thought that he could remove that uh, weapon from the officer and he made an attempt and the officer uh, thwarted that attempt uh, immediately. Uh, Then he was removed from the arena. An exclusive interview with Secret Service Director Joseph Clancy. As he explains what happened on June 18th in Las Vegas just before a Donald Trump rally, he also puts into context the difficult job Secret Service has during one of the most contentious political seasons ever. And now, more than ever, they have to be ready for the unexpected. When that individual comes up that stairwell that doesn't belong, you've got to be ready to go, much like a pinch hitter in baseball. You may sit uh, on the bench for five games in a row, called to step up to the plate, Everyone on that team is expecting you to perform, and uh, that's how our people think. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA.